you're talking in the business and investing world, find the best people you can find and do business with. Life is too short to do business with people that you don't have fun with. They can be good operators, but if you're not having fun doing business with them, it's not worth it. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce to you Dave Zook, the man, the myth, the legend. Dave has created multiple eight-figure businesses, and he is one of the few ones who has wrote multiple best-selling, number one best-selling books. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Dave, let me remind my listeners on what we talk about this show, which I really do that every time. Migrate to wealth. Reminder, most important word is not wealth, even though you want to make it most important. Most important word there is migrate, which is really about intentional transformation. So with that note here, Dave, why don't you give our listeners, although you don't need introduction in the circles that you roam around, some of my listeners may not have heard about you. So let's open up with a very quick introduction, what you do, where you are in your journey. Well, I like that migrate thing because what happens is if you plan and you migrate in the right direction, the wealth is going to come, right? I mean, it, right. You know, it happens. So, and that's the beauty of you know listening to podcasts and educational platforms like this to get your head on right and migrate with a strategy, right? And so, migration story basically is this: I I grew up in a very successful, business friendly, entrepreneurial family. I saw my dad investing in some real estate and I saw him self-manage some single family homes that he had bought and invested in. And, and I quickly realized I didn't want to do that when I grew up. So I started investing in businesses. I was an investor from the time I was a teenager and uh, I started investing in businesses. And when I was in my twenties and thirties, some of these businesses started doing really well. And you know, I got myself in a position where I ended up paying a half million dollars a year in tax. That's a great position to be. Yeah. And then so my migration story is basically that gets old fast. So I started down this path. I was hearing people like Robert Kiyosaki talking about how you can make millions of dollars a year and pay no tax. Tom Wheelwright, his CPA, told me that if you want to change your tax, you got to change your facts. And so that was the first time in my life that I stepped outside the box, the box being you make a lot of money, but you got to pay a lot of tax. You know, that was the box I was in, but I, was, I stepped outside my box. I migrated and I got to the point where I realized that I was being believing a lie. And so I quickly shifted and started putting some of these strategies in place. And I realized that, you know, real estate was more than just something where, you know, it would help build wealth through income streams or through equity growth. To me, even more importantly, it provided a tax protection vehicle. So I started buying multifamily apartments buildings. I started using, I started uh, learning about words like cost segregation studies and bonus depreciation and those kind of things. And I quickly realized that that was my keys to becoming tax efficient. And so I did that for a while, bought a couple hundred units of apartment buildings on my own. I uh, got myself in a position where you know, I went from paying a half million dollars in tax in a year to paying zero the following year. 
And uh, once you have that experience, I couldn't shut up about it. And I realized that there were so many other people that were living in that same box that I had been living in and I didn't know the truth. And so I started teaching this stuff. And so that's where my passion is. I get to teach people the stuff that I've learned that I know works because it worked for me. My God, Dave, such an action-packed life packed into two seconds. Amazing. Only you can do that. Let's break it down a little bit, right, Dave? I think you've thrown a lot in the brief introduction you provided. So let's think about one thing, right? So why real estate? Is that the only vehicle that you... So your journey was more tax efficiency or tax minimization, I should say, not even efficiency. Tax minimization to the point where you were successful to get it down from $500 million all the way down to zero taxes. And may I say, you skipped one word, legally, which is the most important word here. So what we are trying to do is not tax evasion. We're trying to be making sure that we're doing what the policy incentivizes us to do. That's the part that a lot of people don't understand. They think if somebody makes millions of dollars a year and pays no tax, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It, well, it's, it's tax evasion or mm-hmm. tax cheat or you know, taking advantage of the system or you're not fulfilling your patriotic duty because, I mean, you know, who's going to build the roads? And mm-hmm. I like to flip that right on its head. And the truth is you want to be a patriot? You want to be a true patriot? help your government do what they want you to do. And so the government puts these incentive packages together for entrepreneurs and business owners and says, look, Mr. Investor, if you do what we want you to do, we'll reward you and we'll give you nice, big, juicy tax breaks. And so that's really all you're doing is you're providing jobs, you're providing housing, you're drilling for oil or gas, you're mm-hmm. producing your, you know, and that whole system is set up to take money from a consumer, mm-hmm. but it will give money to a producer. And so if you're a producer, you're out there creating, building, solving problems, the government's going to reward you with those tax breaks. And so if you really want to be a patriot, and you really want to serve your country, go out there and do those things. The government's going to be really kind to you. You know, it's interesting you say that because I say that too all the time. For those who are talking about tax avoidance, why are we taking 401k advantage, right? It's kind of like we're playing both sides of the coin at that point. You want to eat your cake and have it too. And that's not really. So I think what you talked about is really think about what the government is and why those policies exist. Why does the IRS tax laws exist? I think to your point, it's more really about incentivizing the investors to partner with the government to do what they are not able to do at the scale that we can do as private investors. So Dave, love that, love that discussion, right? So let's go deeper into that. So you had an aha moment that your box was not the right box that you wanted to play in. So you intentionally moved to a new box. How was that journey? Because intellectually knowing the box is not right versus tactically and mechanically shifting the box takes a lot of inertia, takes a lot of education, takes a lot of new ecosystem. How did you go about it? Well, the first thing I did, I was smart enough to realize that I was too dumb to figure it out on my own and put really good people around me. And I hired really good people that I knew could take me there or help me get there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first thing I did was upgraded my CPA and got somebody on my team that understood the language. And he was, you know, in that same camp, you know, if you want to change your tax, you got to change your facts, let's change your facts. And so that was the first thing. And then really just surrounding myself with good people that could get me to think differently and get me out of that box and sort of 
help me migrate into another sort of place. So how did you find those people? Because, you know, there's a mental block that let me find, you know, the usual thinking is, let me find the best teacher, a best friend, a best coach, a best mentor, versus you actively taking controlling charge of finding those people and hiring those people and making decisions actively. Where were you? What approach did you have? Because I'm assuming your current ecosystem at that time would not have helped you get to find a new way of thinking. Yeah, you're exactly right. So I was hungry. I was going out. I was going to, I was attending webinars. I was going to live events. I was doing whatever I had to do to get in front of the people that I felt could take me in that direction where I wanted to go. So I quickly hired, I'm figuring, well, if Robert Kiyosaki says you can make millions of dollars a year, you know, tax legally, okay, well, let's find out what he's talking about. So I went, I hunted him down. I went to a live event where him and his CPA and his team were. And then I started asking a lot of questions and ended up hiring his CPA. You know, their firm ended up being, you know, one of the guys on their firm ended up being my CPA and has been for the last more than a decade now. And so really just getting in the space, getting as close to those guys as I could get, and then just asking a lot of questions. I love that, Dave. You know, it's kind of the same approach that I had. I remember the time back when I was laid off and I had to go through a similar journey of trying to migrate my box into actively, proactively take charge of my finances. And then I was eventually hired by Airbnb. Now I knew eventually I'm going to have a big tax problem because those RSUs are going to vest. At some point, the company is going to go public. And it was the same journey of trying to figure out from creating a $10,000, $20,000 passive income to try to figure out how we're going to minimize the taxes. And I think the approach that you took is exactly the approach I took. Which I, And the reason I want to share with the listeners is because that is the only way you're going to find people. If you're going to sit behind your computer, if you're going to become a keyboard warrior and assume that everyone's going to show up to you and come to you and offer a helping hand, not going to happen. You got to go actively find those people. They're not going to come looking for you, right? They will never. And not because they don't want to, it's because they don't know where you are. So <laughs> they want to share. People like you, Dave, exist. People like Tom and Robert Kiyosaki, they want to teach. But you have to seek them out. You have to know what you're missing. And you have to be humble enough to understand that you need education and you need a new network. So now let's talk about that journey, right? For you, you found the mentor, you find the right team, you find the ecosystem. How did you went from acquiring those multifamily by yourself. If I heard you correctly, you were the only one on that team as a sponsor, or not even a sponsor. You basically paid them down through your own resources, acquired through your own resources without bringing the investors in. Is that correct? Yeah. So I had, like I said, you know, what got me into the position where I had a half million dollars a year in tax meant that I was running some successful businesses. Correct. And so I was creating cash flow and equity and, you know, just really doing well in my businesses. So I started taking the money that I was earning in those businesses and investing them in multifamily apartment buildings. And the way that it ended up, like I really didn't enter that space thinking that I was going to be a syndicator like I am today. Mm-hmm. What happened is I eventually ran out of my own money and now I've got a team set up and here comes another deal that I wanted to buy. And 
I was out of cash. And so I put a deal together for my dad and my brothers, my family, and we ended up doing the deal together. And Mm -hmm. of course, pretty soon there's another deal. And now I reached out to some friends and business associates in the community. And so I started sort of having those conversations and going down a path. And I ended up really just following the opportunities and helping a lot of people with their tax liabilities and creating income and financial freedom or really just building wealth for investors. So it really just, and then it grew organically from there. I love that. The story that you shared is kind of interesting, right? Because you first helped yourself, then you helped your immediate family, and then you eventually are like, you know what, why am I limiting just to one small group when I can actually help a lot of people? So it was not necessarily coming from a scarcity mindset. It was really, you're constantly facing challenges. I say challenges, I don't think in your dictionary that's a challenge. It's really an opportunity. How can I expand more? How can I do more? How can I help more? I know your mission is very service-based anyways, because I remember during the Belize event, the last Belize event, and we were just talking off air, here we were very successful, accomplished people. Everyone's talking a picture of doom and gloom. And there's this guy, Mr. Zook, walks up on the stage and says that, hey, you know what? If the creator created us, we'll all be fine. We'll all figure our way out, right? Which talks about what your mission is. So help us understand that. How did you get that thinking? Is that, how did you migrate? Did you migrate into that thinking or that thinking was just kind of natural to you? So a couple of things. One, I talked about being fortunate to be, to grow up in a home where I was taught, you know, business and entrepreneurial and all that. But I was also very fortunate in that I was born into a home that was very faith-based. And Mm -hmm. so we believed in God and we believed in Jesus Christ. And look, I just think that if God chooses to put whatever, 7 billion people on the planet or 8 billion Mm -hmm. people on the planet, I'm pretty sure that he's not up there worried about if we're going to run out of oil or water or food. He's bigger than that. And we tend to really do some stupid stuff down here. Really <laughs> stuff up. But I'm pretty sure that he's not up there worried and trying to figure out how he's going to feed us and how he's going to, you know, I mean, look, he made the resources. So Correct. I'm sure we're not going to run out. I agree. I agree. So how do you tie this all together for your path forward, Dave? You know, you got the investing scheme. You, you still have multiple investments in businesses. You're a syndicator now. You got your own apartment investing. You got your ATM funds. You got your car washes. How do you keep track of all of that? Like, How do you keep them in check to make sure that you're running it, all these businesses in the way that you had intended to run and bring the faith into everything? Well, you can ask around the investor community and I believe that you're going to find investors that talk really highly about my team. I've got great people on our team. Well, I'm invested in several of your deals. I can vouch for that. (laughs) Great team, great communication. So I'll give you a funny story about that. I was in an investment conference and I do this sometimes where I go to an investor conference and somebody will come up to me and, and, you know, they'll have a name tag on and they'll say, oh man, I've invested in ATMs or I invested in car wash or both or, you know, and, and Jack was great or Brett was great. Sam was great. You know, talking about the people on my team, Michelle. And so I was at an investment conference and I did that a few times. I, I took a selfie with this investor with mm-hmm. a name tag on, knowing my guys back in the office would mm-hmm. recognize the name. And I was like, you know, Mark 
loves us or he loves you guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or John, he loves you guys. I did that two or three times. And then, of course, one of the guys emailed back. It's like, yeah, good luck finding somebody who doesn't, you know. I oh, mean, like, yeah. that's amazing. That is and amazing. So, and, it, and it was funny, but it was true. You know, I mean, I've got great people around. I've got a great team. Yeah, no, that's good. So help us understand, Dave, what is going on in your world? Yeah, I know you wear multiple hats, right, in terms of different asset classes. What is your thesis? I mean, you shared that in Belize, but I want to repeat that. You share the thesis again about how do you look at different investments? And what is your approach to, because at the onset, if somebody were to look from uh, zooming out, you look at car wash, you look at multifamily, you look at storage space, you look at ATM, they all seem different businesses. But I think you have a method to your madness where everything is connected. Could you help us understand that for our listeners? Yeah. So first of all, I got to see a path forward and really got to like that asset class. Oftentimes it has to do with, I mean, we're investing in cash flow. Oftentimes it has to do with some sort of a tax picture of some kind. How does this help me get to where I want to go? Or it can be diversification. I'll give you an example of that. So when you look at our self-storage investment asset class, you'll see that our business model is we buy from mom and pop operator. Oftentimes we're adding 25, 30,000 square feet of climate control units to that through development. And then we're stabilizing that asset. Then we're selling it to an institution. Mm -hmm. And the margin is quite aggressive in that business model. So, you know, but in saying that during the hold, we're spending money. You know, we're building and we're spending money. We're adding value. We're enlarging the space and getting it ready to sell to our REIT. So it's not a very, I mean, it's pretty modest cash flow play. And it's also a pretty modest tax impact play. But what we've seen is, you know, it's a huge equity appreciation play. We just, last November, we sold uh, 26 of our properties to REIT for $450 million. And our investors netted somewhere right around 30%. um, Congratulations. 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 Cash on cash return, you know, I mean, and so it was great. Thank you. But it's a very modest cash flow play, very modest tax play huge equity appreciation potential. Now move over to the ATM asset class, very aggressive cash on cash return, very aggressive tax play. It's, uh, you know, the tax deduction, 100% bonus depreciation in the first year, but then there's no equity. You get to the end of the seven year life cycle and your equipment's worthless. And, And so you see those two asset classes beside each other, both of them we love really good, but, you know, they do different things. Mm-hmm. So a little diversification in there is always good. But, you know, it starts with liking the asset class, mm-hmm. knowing what it'll do for you. And then the very next thing, before you go too far into the asset class, once you're convinced you want to do business, you want that asset class for a number of different reasons, then you go find the best operator you can find in the space and you figure out how to add value to them, figure out how to come alongside of them and partner with them. Got it. Now, I think that's amazing, Dave, because that's the approach I've been using forever now. Of course, I'm following the successful cues from people like yourselves, right? Kind of like find the thesis, develop your thesis, then go find the best operators and go partner with them and figure out how to add value. That's amazing. So, Dave, let's switch gears here. So, of course, you've been very successful in some would say you have a Midas touch and whatever you touch, it, it starts to turn to gold, which is amazing. Now, but I'm sure that journey has not been easy. So when you look back in your life, if you were to talk to your 20-year-old self, 
what is the insight that you'll share with them about making their migration journey impactful and how would you tell them they should approach life so if you're talking in the business and investing world mm-hmm. i would say find the best people you can find and do business with them you know too often i've made the mistake my younger self i've made the mistake of getting emotional and attached to the deal mm-hmm. and not paying enough attention in who is running the deal right. and partnering with the wrong people and because i got excited about the deal mm-hmm. the deal is the deal i mean right. you know and many times it's an operating business somebody on the other side of that transaction has to make that thing perform if you've got really good people i mean look you can look at just about any industry. I mean, let's just look at the oil space. Mm-hmm. There are people who are billionaires who made their billions from the oil fields. Right. There's a lot of people that went broke in the oil fields. Right. So what's the difference? No difference in the commodity. It's a difference in the teams. It's a difference in the people running that asset class. So teaming up with partners who are just really good people. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, Life is too short to do business with people that you don't have fun yeah. with or enjoy doing business with. They, they can be good operators, but if you're not having fun doing business with them, it's not worth it. Not worth and it. so go do business with people you enjoy doing business with and who are good at the asset class, who are good operators, who are fun to do business with, really good, you know, high integrity people. Go do business with those people and team up with those people. You can take that even into different aspects of your life. Doesn't even have to be business or investing. Mm-hmm. Get around people who will lift you up. Get around people who are fun to be with, and your life's just gonna be more fun. Yeah, I think the key thing there is life's too short, right? You got to do what makes sense, but you got to do it in a way that's fun. Because if it becomes a burden and stress, eventually you won't do it. Uh, yeah, you'll burn out. You'll lose steam. You'll burn out. Yeah. So Dave, from that journey, right? Kind of like folks who are right now in their W two job. And they love their job, but they don't have necessarily the time or the resources like yourself to go build a passive wealth for them today. How should they start? How should they think about it? Right? I think there's a one path that you talked about, which is more about partnering with folks, right? doing business with folks that you like. But not everyone may have all the resources at their disposal to do that. What's your recommendation for someone like that? Yeah. So I have quite a few W-2 investors. You know, I mean... There's a lot of people in my network who invested with me who are doctors and dentists and attorneys and CPAs, you know, very, very successful people in their fields and making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So everybody can use these strategies and have it work for them. And number one, for someone who is a high income earner, one of the first things they should do is start shifting some of those dollars over into their passive income column. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you also, and I, and I taught a whole session on this about, you know, taking asset classes and aligning them with different streams of income. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got your W-2 or your ordinary income in a column. You got your passive income and then you've got your capital gains income, mm-hmm. kind of your top three. And then so if you can take an asset class that aligns with that specific income stream that gives you the tax protection that you need for that stream of income that's where the magic happens you know many people think well if i you know if i can go deploy a hundred thousand dollars what's that going to make me you know seven percent percent per year ten percent per year whatever Mm -hmm. but 
really when you can knock down or knock out the first 37%, that could be your first year's yes. return in that year one. And so that's where you get momentum is starting to learn how to to minimize your tax burden. Because I usually give the analogy, it's sort of like when you don't manage your tax liability and you're just out there head down, you're working hard, you're getting, you know, you're making a lot of money, but you're swimming against the current. You're mm-hmm. swimming upriver. Once you figure out how to get this thing to work for you, you start managing your tax liability, you get yourself out of those highest tax bracket. Now you start swimming with the current. Correct. Right. And it's really, you know, but first things first, if you're a high W-2 income earner, figure out a way to start building that passive income column. One goal that I think is a very good goal is to, you know, in the, in the short term or long term, figure out a way to have your passive income exceed your active or ordinary income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's all true, right? And I think that's where people like yourself and me can help people get there. Because I think sure. there's a fear, right? There's a fear that everyone has. I'm already working nine to nine. If I now have to go and find investments and make more money through investments, I just don't have the bandwidth. I think that's where people like yourself who have done your due diligence, who have been successful, and other syndicators like that, just go find syndicators so that you can partner with them. But I think what the advice you're not telling them is everyone should quit their W-2 and go active business. That's not what we're saying. If you want to do that, that's a different path. And I'm sure we'll encourage that too. But that's not the only path. There are other paths where you can continue doing your W-2, be a lawyer, be a CPA, whatever your passion is, but start redirecting your single stream of income and create multiple streams. 100% agree. And, you know, that's one of the paths to financial freedom. You know, I talked to several doctors really good at what they did, you know, Mm -hmm. surgeons and dentists. And when it got to the point, they were in the grind, work trading time for dollars. Yeah. And they hated their life. But when it got to the point where they created this passive income column that exceeded their ordinary income column, and it got to the point where, you know what, they didn't have to do that anymore. And and now they could cut back a little bit on their hours. They didn't have to work 80 hours a week anymore, but they worked because they realized that they actually loved what they were doing. Correct. Correct. They hated their life because they were bound to it. But once they found the freedom and got to the point where they didn't have to do it no more, and they started working, whatever, 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week, now they all of a sudden figured out, you know what, I, I love this. This is what... I was created to do it. And this is my gifts and talents. And this is what I've wanted to do since I was a teenager. Yeah. And so when you get to the point where you don't have to do it anymore and you've gone to work those crazy hours and be on that hamster wheel, now it gets to the point where, I, and I've heard this over and over again, it gets to the point where people actually step back and they're like, you know what? This is what I was created to do. I love this. Yeah. And you know, I always say people are not after becoming wealthy or rich. Most of us are looking for freedom, Right. Money happens to be a one way to get it, to get us our freedom back and spend time doing things which we really love. So I love that example of you doing, saying that because I have a lot of my own immigrant friends, they're bus- the only path they know is to work and make money. And I was one of them. It's not like there's not a negative thing on that, but it's a very different way of thinking. It doesn't necessarily mean wrong. It's just a limited way of thinking. Yeah. And, you know, it's about, like you said, it's about freedom. And it's about options. Mm-hmm. 
you get to choose now how you spend your time. You get to choose how you spend your money. You get to choose where you want to go. You know, you just have more options. Yeah. You get to choose who you want to help. That's or true. How much you want to help them. So, Dave, what keeps you fueling right now? I mean, I'm, you're not doing it for money anymore. What keeps you going? What's your purpose? I love helping people. I love being able to make an impact. I love getting the emails that talk about, hey, you know, I mean, I just got one over the weekend. It's like, I just found out, of course, this being, you know, getting close to October 15th, mm-hmm. you get these people's tax returns coming right. in. And, and one of my investors just said, hey, I've been tax free now. Thanks to you. I've been tax free now for the last five years. That's and amazing. So get those types of emails. It's like, yay. I'm just like, man, there's another person that's set free from the financial shackles. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is these people are primarily really good people. Right. And I mean, my investors are some of the best people in the world. And I know they're the kind of people that when they get there, they're going to reinvest back into their family, their community, their church, right. and it's going to be better for everyone. And so right. that gives me a lot of excitement and it's just very fulfilling. That's amazing. I think you wear your humanity on your sleeve, man. Kudos to you. So I think, you know what I was thinking about when you're saying that? I think there's going to be a good social experiment if you actually track the first conversation you had with the investors where they think tax evasion to now sending you an email and thanking you that being taxed for five years, it's a good case study, I think, to kind of track their journey and what have they done. Yeah, no, it's a fun business to be in there. I think I found my life work That's and awesome. uh, I'm loving it. So on that note, Dave, we've talked about your life journey. We've talked about the lessons learned. Let's actually take, if you were granted one wish for the humanity to migrate towards something, what would that be? Because migration is key, right? I mean, I think your life's full of migration, some major, some minor, but everything that has happened in your life has moved you 10 steps forward. Maybe you had to take a few steps back, but it's a forward momentum that you have created in your life. So what would you want the humanity to migrate towards? When I think about what I want for humanity, I'm thinking freedom, mm-hmm. you know, freedom. And that's freedom, not just in financial freedom, spiritual freedom, spiritual success, freedom from financial freedom, freedom from conventional wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, and conventional wisdom, you can look at conventional health. It's not working. No. You know, you look at conventional finance, not working. So really just freedom, having people set free. Love to see that. I want to be a part of it. Gets me excited. Well, you're, you're making your dent in the world by creating a lot of freedom around you. And I love your journey. I love partnering with you on the deals I've invested with you. And I look forward to continue doing that. On that note, Dave, thank you again for sharing a lot of great insights, your life journey. Thanks for being open to sharing your deeper emotions as well. Really appreciate that. Uh, where can people find you, Dave? So you can go to our website at therealassetinvestor.com. And if you send an email to my team, you know, we talked about some of the asset classes that we're involved in, ATM, self-storage, car washes, whatever. If you send an email to my team, we have reports on all of this stuff. If you send an email to info at therealassetinvestor.com, that comes to me and my entire team and someone will uh, reach out to you. So if you send an email to that inbox, someone on my team will reach out to you. And uh, we're very responsive, very easy to reach. And uh, we look forward to helping 
all of your listeners. Well, thank you, Dave. So you can find Dave and his team and his work on therealassetinvestor.com. And as he said that his most amazing team, and I can vouch for that, can be found at info at therealinvestor.com. And Dave is responsive because I've sent him an email at 12 o'clock in the night and I got a response back at 12.01. So I know he's not making it up. He's actually true. I wouldn't count on that one, but it could happen. <laughs> it did happen to me. Well, Dave, thank you again for your time, man. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man, but I appreciate all the insight that you shared with us. You got it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.